Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Drew, I'm back. Got Russell Westbrook in my background. What's happened the past week? I was in Denver, Colorado with my family. Uh, my wife and I have resolved to never take the three kids on a plane uh, for at least 15 <laughs> or 20 years. Um, but I'm back, not refreshed, but uh, <laughs> ready to dive into the NBA. How was your week? Uh, you know, it was fun, um, but uh, I got my clock cleaned uh, from a betting standpoint. Um, I don't really know where to start here. Crystal Palace, the only thing that went right for me this weekend. Yesterday morning, uh, you know, usually Sundays, you kick back and you kind of enjoy, you know, enjoy your sports. Uh, started off with um, an up, you know, a, just a beautiful outright on Holger Rune going up in smoke when he looked much the better in the third set in Monte Carlo. Uh, and then I followed that up with uh, a Grizzlies collapse. Uh, that's, you know, that's my biggest position in, in any of the series. And now it's completely underwater because who knows if John Morant's going to play. And honestly, uh, the Lakers bench showed up in ways that did not expect. So, um, yeah, the NBA just in general yesterday kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of beat me up a little bit, but, uh, thankfully Crystal Palace came through with two goals. <laughs> yeah, Joe Palace. Yeah. I mean, the prop, the thing is, is that kills you with something like the Memphis Lakers series where you were heavy on the Grizzlies. I, I would have leaned Lakers. I didn't think it was an amazing bet, but we'll never find out who was right. Um, because basically it seems like we're just not going to get that series, but, Let's uh let's stay in the Western Conference. Let's bring in Justin Termini from Sirius XM. Justin, thank you for joining us. Let's uh let's get straight into it and uh, let's talk about what I think is probably the most compelling round one series, and that's Kings Warriors. The Kings, uh, they beat the Warriors as narrow favorites. Now the Warriors have flipped into being one and a half point favorites in a massive game two. Uh, what's your read on game two, Justin, and this series? Well, I I picked Golden State to win this thing in six. And like the funny thing is, if you said like Kevin Herter's going to struggle here in game one, uh, which he did, I think he only had six points. And then Sabonis was going to have one of the worst games of his year. I probably would have told you that I'm even more confident in Golden State winning, right? Sabonis was five of 17. I think that was his worst shooting performance of the entire year. And you're still able to win. You didn't anticipate that you would get that from Malik Monk. Uh, Certainly not 38 points from De'Aaron Fox, even though you're confident he's one of the better players in the league. 
But I would expect a little bit of a tail off here, maybe from Hunk and Fox, but then you can expect Sabonis to be much better. So uh, I, I think just offensively, there's a ton that Sacramento has, uh, and they got a legitimate shot to, to, to win the series. Okay, so if you're uh, if you're the Warriors, if you're Steve Kerr, do you view Game Two as a must win? Uh, do you kind of up uh, up some of the minutes of your key guys? Like I was a little bit surprised not to see Draymond Green get uh, you know closer to a thirty eight minute uh, type of load here. Um, and uh, honestly, uh, do you stick with Jordan Poole in the closing rotation, or are you better off with a little bit more defensive flexibility, getting Peyton and Wiggins some more uh, minutes late in the series? Like, what do you do if you're Golden State as you uh, head into this game too? Yeah, Wiggins looked a lot better, by the way, just as an aside uh, there, as you brought up his name, than I thought he was going to look. And I guess that's one of the more reasons that you're probably disappointed for uh, for Golden State. It's like, all right, you're telling me Wiggins is going to look this good and you're still going to end up losing? I prefer to go def- you know, to the defense. And I know that Peyton's missed a, a ton of time this season. Uh, and maybe even he's not 100% like back to what he uh, was last year or what they, they'd like him to be. Uh, but I agree with that. And it's not just because of the defense. That's certainly one of the avenues. News, but it's also like the decision making down the stretch of games with Jordan Poole can be very fickle as well. And you've got a guy like Steph, who as great as he is, sometimes can be a little bit loose with the ball as well. So then you're throwing two guys out there that are kind of loose with the basketball. I don't necessarily like the idea of that. Uh, but from a like from a pace perspective, it's funny because you would have thought like, hey, Golden State wants to push the ball as well. Sacramento thinks they can like outpace him. And I think you heard Mike Brown talking about that as well after the game that that they want to push the pace. I mean, this is it's a fantastic offense. Uh, and uh, I was a little bit hesitant. All right. First postseason experience for Fox Monk. Uh, Sabonis hasn't been deep into the postseason. He's been eliminated in the first round every year of his career uh, when he's reached the postseason. They look like they were, you know, that they. They had been there for a while. Same thing with Josh Hart in that Knicks series. It's like a lot of guys that had never been in a postseason situation before look like they've been there forever. So uh, I'd anticipate like you're hoping maybe for a little bit fallback here from Fox and uh, and Monk in game two. But again, Sabonis is going to be better. Kevin Herter, I would anticipate uh, being better as well. Yeah, I think you touched on the whole key to this series, Justin, which is pace. And I think a lot of the idea that Sacramento would fall off in the playoffs is that once it slows down, their all-world offense isn't going to be quite as good. They'll get exposed defensively. And they just turned that on its head in game one where they just refused to play a slow-it-down playoff style. They got into their actions so quickly and it was so hard for Golden State to set up their defense, to get their switches going because you can't switch if it's just transition. And uh, they're just going straight in downhill uh, line drive. So... I think that we'll probably see a bit more Peyton, maybe him full pressuring, honestly, up the court, just to slow Fox down and just to not let them get into their offense so quickly. Because Golden State, I mean, you look at this team on paper now, and they look like, on paper, the best team in the league, again. But the betting market hasn't really respected this team all year, even when they've been healthy. I think back to how... Uh, in Boston, I think in January, they closed the six-and-a-half-point dogs fully healthy, whereas they were closing three-and-a-half-point dogs uh, in Boston last season. So the betting market doesn't really trust this Warriors team, but they've surely got as much upside uh, as any team, certainly in the West. Uh Let's talk about another team that's got a fair bit of upside in the West, and that's the Lakers, uh, who are the most mysterious team, I think, and the most difficult one to get a grip on. This Grizzly series, uh, obviously, it all hinges on Jar Morant's health. But, Justin, just came for your thoughts on the Lakers in general and their upside. Do you see them as a team that can contend you know, with the Suns, with the Nuggets, with the Warriors, or do you think that they're just coming from too far back uh, from the seventh seed? 
Yeah, no, I, I think I picked them to the the seventh seed. They actually got lucky with the matchup, I think, because you get you get the, the Grizzlies here in round one, uh, and there was no Brandon Clark and there's no Anthony Davis, and I'm sure you guys have been over the fact like, oh, Jaron Jackson falls way too much, and the depth just isn't there. So, uh, and he didn't have that issue yesterday, and Jaron Jackson was fantastic. But I love this matchup for him at the start. I picked him to win it. I picked him to win two series, uh, and and beat you know either Golden State or Sacramento in the next round as well. And you talked about the defense of, uh, of, of Golden State, how they, they couldn't get set against Sacramento and they've struggled there. They've been bad on that end of the basketball all year long. That has not been the case for the Lakers. They've had the best defense in the NBA since the trade deadline. They brought in like length and they locked out by not getting Kyrie Irving. I think they got a really good defense. They got a difference maker in Anthony Davis, whereas if he is healthy, I think he might be the, the you know, the most impactful defensive player in the NBA. Uh, and then you throw in guys like, you know, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. Now we're not anticipating that to happen, I think, consistently, uh, clearly with Rui Hachimura. I think Austin Reeves can give you some of what he gave you yesterday on a consistent basis. He He's been really solid the second half of the year. And I, I think the thing that stuck out to me in watching that game unfold yesterday is LeBron is kind of like seeding control of the basketball and down the stretch to like Austin Reeves. I'm not even sure that he's done that like with Kyrie or, or, or Dwayne Wade in the past. Uh, and he was allowed to maybe be the fourth most impactful player on the floor last night uh, in that game for the Lakers, which was, you, you, you look back a couple of months ago, he's complaining about the roster. Now they're winning the game on the road where he might be the fourth most impactful player. So that speaks to their defense and it speaks to their depth. I think they're set up really nicely. Yeah. I mean, the fact that uh, John Morant was so vocal about, uh, you know, how badly his hand was injured after the game is not a great sign for Grizzlies backers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the series price reflects kind of the more true probabilities of where we stand now. But at the same time, uh, I still think the Lakers bench is very, very suspect. I don't know that you're going to get another one of those performances out of Rui Hachimura for the rest of the playoffs. Since if, uh, if for whatever reason, some of the uh, kind of role players can really step up here for the Grizzlies, maybe we make this some sort of a series, but, uh, yeah, that was the most disappointing result of the weekend for me. Um, did you have any uh, thoughts on how the uh, Suns played the Clippers? That was a, a, an interesting, um, you know, final, you know, final frame uh, of that game last night. It, it was a lackluster effort from the Suns. Uh, yeah. Just not really uh, sure um, they understand who they are, who they want to be, uh, which is not great because you know you don't want to be in the playoffs and figuring that sort of stuff out against a live opponent like Clippers, who may have best player in the series and Kawhi Leonard, um, and maybe even more concerning, like. In the back of my head, I thought if the Suns did not realize their potential in this playoffs, it was going to be because Chris Paul just might not be a guy that can be on the floor the way he was in years past. And there were certainly times, particularly down the stretch, I felt that way. Uh, what's your read on the Suns team overall? And uh, do you think, uh, you know, the market needs to correct and, and make, uh, you know, some other team the uh, meaningful favorite to win the Western Conference right now? Yeah, I had the Suns come out of the West, but I think what you said, uh, you know, fits my concern. And it's do they know who they are? And I've always been a huge continuity guy. And I, I said this in the past with like the Nets teams that were heading into the postseason last year. And if you recall, people are like, oh, they'll give the Celtics a lot of trouble. And I said, you know, and I think this you know, this team might be more talented than the Nets team because I like Devin Booker better than I like Kyrie Irving as the number two guy uh, for Durant. But my concern there was like, they just don't have enough reps together. 
uh, and I, I feel the same way about this team. It's like there's communication things that need to happen, not just offensively, but defensively, where you've been playing together and you're all on a string. They don't have that, and they're going up against teams that do have that in their back pocket who have been playing together all year and have been playing together in some cases for multiple years. Uh, and you also saw it there last night. You brought up Chris Paul. Way too much Chris Paul down the stretch. Yeah. Not enough Not enough Kevin Durant. I mean, he's got to be the guy that you're running your offense through. He's got to be the decision maker. If not him, then Devin Booker. Uh, and th- there was just a lot of Chris Paul last night, especially in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of DeAndre Ayton. Two very good players and the third and fourth best players on that team, but certainly a huge drop off after Durant and uh, and Devin Booker. And I just feel like you got to get uh, Durant a lot more involved, especially down the stretch, than he was. Yeah, I think the continuity question is so interesting because I think that if the talent gap is so immense, it doesn't matter as much. Like two years ago, I think the Harden, Kyrie, Durant, Nets, if they stayed healthy, I think they just would have won because they were so much more talented than everyone. I don't think this Suns team has quite the same gap to the rest of the league as that Nets team did, certainly. And I think continuity really matters in terms of coaching as well and just understanding who your best guys are, what your best lineups are. Like Michael Malone has had two and a half years to figure out that Aaron Gordon is his best backup center in a playoff rotation like he did last night. Whereas last night, Monty Williams is playing 11 guys. uh, And that's just not a good sign um, in terms of optimizing your lineups and knowing uh, who your best chances are. So I think that's one to watch. I think the Suns, I mean, they still have the most talent and maybe it will all click, but it is taking a little bit of a leap of faith as opposed to, say, a Nuggets team who I think we largely know who they are and they have home court throughout. And I think after last night's results um, and the fact that Phoenix now, this series might be a dogfight against the Clippers. They should still win, but the Clippers now, they're a 30, 35% chance to win this series and Phoenix are they're a chance to just go home. So uh, I think last night was a very good night uh, if you're on the Nuggets. Uh, let's get to a quick read and then pivot to the East. A reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Sixers Nets. Not a, not a great content series, I have to say, yeah. but uh, some interesting aspects. Mikhail Bridge is looking awesome. Uh, the Sixers are 10-point favorites in Game 2 against the Nets. And yes, Justin, most interested in your thoughts on this one, kind of looking ahead a little bit of what you see the Sixers upside in the East. And uh, I mean, skipping ahead a little bit and taking a bit of a leap, but how you see them matching up against the Celtics in Round 2, should we get that matchup? Yeah, historically, they've been brutal against the Celtics, right? They have not been good ever since Embiid got there. So for that reason alone, like you, you're you going Boston in that second round. I will tell you the one thing that you got to feel good about if you're a Philadelphia fan is we weren't sure what type of James Harden we were going to get because he was dealing with the Achilles down the stretch. And he had one of the best games of his season uh, in, in the opener. And I think that it is sustainable when you, you look at like the playmaking ability of James Harden and, and what he did in the regular season that carries over. Are we going to see seven? threes from James Harden like we saw in game one. I don't think that that is something that's going to you know consistently move forward. And you were talking about Phoenix's depth uh, just a minute ago. And that's the other part of why it's flummoxing that Monty Williams playing 11 guys. I think they've got the thinnest team uh, in the in the league, perhaps, of the contenders, right, uh, where there's a huge drop-off after the front four. Uh, there's a drop-off for Philadelphia as well that I don't think Boston has. Same thing with Milwaukee if, if Giannis clearly stays healthy. But Boston's got a bunch of different 
different guys where you can that they can hurt you. Where after the first three or four for Philadelphia, there's a significant drop off. I mean, you you look at like PJ Tucker for example. He can be a very good defender. He can knock down open shots. He killed Boston earlier this year, uh, maybe about a month ago. Last uh, regular season game they played with a couple of corner threes, but there's a significant drop-off between his offense, his defense. Same thing with like James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Your second and third best offensive players aren't good defenders, right? Whereas you look at the Celtics, all their great offensive players are all great defenders as well. Tatum is a great defender. Brown's a very good defender. Derek White, who I think has been the third or fourth best Celtic this year, is an elite defender. Marcus Smart's an elite defender. Al Horford, Robert Williams. So their guys are all two-way players, whereas three best Sixers, only one of them, and that's Embiid, can dominate offensively and defensively. I just don't think they can take care of the Celtics' wings or any team that's got great wings if you're Philadelphia. That's my concern with them. Yeah, I think the good news for Philly coming out of that game against the Nets was Harden's shot was falling. The bad news was he got blocked at the rim every time he went. Uh, I, I, it felt like uh, it felt like the the Nets had him dead to right because he just could not uh, beat his man to the basket. Which is, again, uh, that may end up being an issue in this series in terms of getting out and uh, you know, certainly covering ten points tonight, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, we'll see if uh, if the Nets have any fight or if they're just going to roll over and roll out of these uh, these playoffs. Um, the Knicks Cavs is probably the opposite of Nets Sixers from a content perspective, Jay. <laughs> like, there's a lot of ways to go with this one. And I think of every series we've got outside of maybe Suns Clippers, this is the one I think everybody would say highest confidence is going to go the distance. Um, and a lot of that is the Knicks, you know, Knicks getting a road win makes this, uh, you know, an interesting series. Um, now, the Cavs had. A, just weird no-shows from a lot of inexperienced players. The Cavs have a weak bench. Um, but there were certain things that I felt like I needed the Knicks to learn some lessons early in the series if I think they were ultimately going to get the win. Namely, they just need to get R.J. Barrett out of, you know, kind of meaningful minutes and, you know, more Josh Hart, more, uh, you know, more Grimes, more quickly, less Barrett. Uh, and it may take them a couple of games to learn that. So, um, you know, it could kind of take this, a you know, several different ways here. But, um, you know, what were some of your main takeaways of this game in particular? Uh, would you expect to bounce back from the Cavaliers in game two and then uh, you know what is your now current outlook having seen these two teams get matched up once yeah I, I think this is probably the most impressive win I saw all weekend from the perspective of like so many things went wrong for the Knicks and they still won on the road like think of how optimistic you have to be that uh, Grimes quickly and RJ Barrett went three of 21 you still won on the road uh, Donovan Mitchell gives you 38 points you still won on the road uh, you got Brunson who was in foul trouble the entire first half half you still won on the road like so so many things I felt went wrong for the Knicks and they were still able to win and you know I don't think those three guys are going to go combine three for 21 again I don't think Brunson's going to be in foul trouble again uh, I don't think that Donovan Mitchell's going to give you 38 points again all that stuff so you can I think convince yourself you got a very good shot of going up two nothing if you're the Knicks in the series uh, and I, I guess the most confusing part to me of, of this game one is like you think of Cleveland they're a big team and they got out rebounded. I think the number was, I don't have it in front of me, 51 to 38. That shouldn't be happening. You got Evan Mobley and you got Jared Allen in the front court. So I think it spoke to the Knicks physicality level. And, and hopefully that's an uptick here for Cleveland in game two after they got hit in the mouth. Hey, we didn't understand what playoff basketball is. Now we do. And now we're going to be a little bit more physical, but they're going to have to do that if they want to get back in the series. 
Yeah, I thought it was a baffling performance from JB Bickerstaff as well, who I think's had an yeah. incredible year and deserved yeah. you know ballot consideration for coach of the year. But it's the fact that he was one closing with Chetty Osman and then two using Chetty Osman as the primary defensive assignment on Jalen Brunson when Osman probably would have been my fifth choice of the Irish <laughs> that I most wanted to defend Jalen Brunson. Yes. And then surely enough, Brunson blows by him uh, with yeah. 38 seconds left, I think, uh, to score effectively the game-winning bucket. Yeah. So that was strange. I think the fact that they just don't have that fifth guy to close with and they have just they just have these bad choices and they've got to make the best one between Osman, Levert, uh, Coro, and it's clear that just they don't trust any of these guys. And <laughs> I mean, I think this team really could have made a run for the title if they traded for OG Ananobi or Mikhail Bridges yeah. in that fifth spot. Uh, and instead, they need Donovan Mitchell to be Superman uh, to lose a close game to the team. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think the Cavs uh, are in real trouble. Uh, let's talk about, I mean, Celtics Hawks, there's not a great deal to talk about. And Bucks Heat is hugely dependent, uh, obviously, on Giannis's health. But I think that a lot of people in the NBA world have positioned themselves as Celtics people or Bucks people coming out of the East. If we assume that Giannis is going to be okay and at least come back in time uh, for the Bucks to get through this Heat series, which I think they should be able to do. Justin, do you lean Celtics, Bucks in the East? I, I lean, I lean Bucks, uh, and I, I do just for the fact one they have the best defensive player in the sport. Uh, two, last year things were so close when you had uh, uh, you, you had uh, I, I say best defensive player, I meant best overall player in, in Giannis. Uh, and then last year they had no Chris Middleton, and uh, and they pushed the Celtics to seven. Now those games really probably weren't even close anyway. Boston should have won uh, by a, by a bunch more, or at least in in a quicker a period of time. But the one bright spot yesterday if I'm a box fan, is that Middleton looks so good, right? If you get that version of Chris Middleton with a healthy Giannis, uh, then that one-two punch, that's enough. Because uh, that was my biggest concern heading in. Like, what version will we see of, of Chris Middleton? Now your biggest concern clearly is Giannis's health. Uh, I mean, it's a close series. Boston has played them very well, especially this regular season. Again, like Philadelphia, as great as Milwaukee is defensively, I do think they have trouble with wings like, uh, you know, uh, like Tatum and Brown. If you get to the Western Conference, maybe Durant and Booker or Kawhi and a healthy Paul George. I think that might be their one weakness defensively, uh, but I would still lean box. Hmm. There's a uh, there's a lack of trust with me and uh, and Budenholzer and the Bucks against the Heat team that's more well coached. That uh, even without Tyler Hero does have some interesting pieces from a depth standpoint. I'm not saying the Heat are going to win this series, yeah. um, but. Uh, Giannis healthy or not, they're in for a lot more of a test than I think uh, anyone expected. And uh, that's bad news, especially considering that it looks like the other two kind of blue chippers in the Eastern Conference and the Celtics and the Sixers may make quick work of their opponents. So um going to be fascinating to just get some reports on Giannis. I don't have any inside information. I don't have any kind of real sense of, you know, will he be kind of the uh, most important player on the court for, uh, you know, for the uh, Bucks in this series or in these playoffs? Because right now at uh, – you know, that, that was a, it was a concerning injury. So, Jay, do you have a read on, on Giannis's availability? You think he's going to be totally fine? I mean, <laughs> I think that his, his propensity to heal um, like a Wolverine character from X-Men, I don't understand. The fact, <laughs> I still don't understand how he came back against Phoenix in the finals with the speed that he did from that knee injury, which looked like he was going to be out for 12 months, and then he missed a week. Um, so I'll never write off Giannis from that perspective. But, 
I think to me, the most interesting thing about this series outside of Giannis' health is that Jimmy Butler, every yeah. single year, he scales up in the playoffs in a way that I think no other player in the league does outside of maybe Kevin Durant in terms of the gap between their regular season and postseason output where just every year Butler becomes a top eight player in the league in the playoffs. And uh, the fact that now the Bucs might have to go a couple of games without Giannis and you've got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo uh, with admittedly a very limited supporting cast. But... Butler is terrifying, and uh, and he can absolutely extend this series. So uh, all of a sudden, that looked like it was going to be a sweep or a gentleman's sweep, and now it's a really compelling first-round series in the East. Justin, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Can you tell people uh, where to follow you and uh, what you're working on through the playoffs? Uh, yeah, so you can follow me just uh, on Twitter, at Termini Radio, at T-E-R-M-I-N-E Radio, as you see there on the screen. Uh, in regards to the show, it's 4 to 7 Eastern time. That's either on Sirius XM, NBA Radio, if you have that. Uh, if you don't, then you download the app. You can do that on your phone, the NBA app. Uh, so you go to the NBA app, you download it on your phone, you download it on your television. And then for free, from 4 to 7 Eastern time, uh, Monday through Friday, you got uh, myself and former NBA player Eddie Johnson for three hours a day, uh, breaking down the postseason right. so uh this is the easiest time of year to, to do the shows yes no shortage of content for that sort of be sure to check it out awesome thank you for your time justin we appreciate it all right jay drew thanks for having me on guys yeah best luck remember the thai cave rescue what about the mission depicted in black hawk down or the epic rescue shown in captain phillips you've probably heard of all of these but did you know that the u.s air force special warfare played a pivotal role in all of them these airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the 
initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Pennsylvania. Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. All right, before we get into some NFL draft, every season is draft season. Drew Densick, get your Rotoworld Draft Guide bundle today. Dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Rotoworld Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BERRY and save an extra 20% at checkout. Um, before we jump to the NFL draft, last night, none of the Western Conference prices on the Nuggets really moved at all. Ah. Uh, I do not agree with whatsoever, given that yes. their round two opponent is now gone from a 15 to 35% chance of being the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Clippers, who even with Paul George, the Nuggets are three points better than neutral court. Uh, at least that's what the market was kind of treating them as towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. So... Uh, I think the Nuggets are a big bet to uh, to win the West. Um, and I'll I, go down with yeah. that. I mean, we got uh, it's it's weird that we're here after one weekend, Jay. But uh, how did the Celtics match up against the Nuggets? <laughs> well, what kind of series? What kind of series price are we expecting there? Celtics get home court in that one. I'm already thinking uh, NBA Finals at this point after one game from every series. They do. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think that is going to be the finals. That would certainly be my pick. Um, and I'd certainly love from a financial perspective <laughs> for that to be the matchup. I do not want to see Golden State or Phoenix in the finals, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's jump to the NFL draft. First overall pick, always the wonkiest market uh, of the year, the NBA or NFL yeah. first overall pick market. Bryce Young, now minus 400 favorite. Oh. Uh, CJ Stroud was a minus 400 favorite couple of weeks ago when we last did this i think the thing uh, and we've talked about this but the way to think about these markets is that they are just not liquid at all right. uh, it is yeah. calculated guessing work uh a few weeks ago uh, i placed a limit bet on a major sports book here where there was a very very low limit to win less than a thousand dollars and it shifted the number one pick market 80 cents uh and so you have bets to win less than a thousand dollars shifting and then everyone just copies that book and so all of a sudden you've got the entire market shifting off a bet to win less than a thousand dollars which is obviously not a very liquid market but people are jumping at shadows particularly when they've seen you know the influx of money that has come in on Trayvon Walker or Paolo Banquero in the past uh, 12 or so months so market really has no idea what it's doing here but at the same time there is a lot of money that's coming in on Bryce Young do you think that is warranted, Drew? Uh, it's speculative, I think, still. Um, I haven't gotten any sources from the Panthers that say they've made their decision. Um, most of the sources that you hear kind of rumbling about this are all other teams. 
which means that they have intel for some reason that says this is going to happen. Uh, and my suspicion is that that is because Houston is shopping the number two pick. Um, and the only reason Houston would be shopping the number two pick is if they've had conversation with, you know, with, with Bryce Young's agents and they know that uh, he's not likely to be there at pick two. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my general read on the situation. Um, I know that uh, Tepper, it seems like is going to be sort of the decision maker here for this pick. Uh, and, and that makes most sense is why it flipped from minus 400 Stroud to minus 400 young. Uh, and that's because all of the speculation about Young, I mean, of Stroud going one was because people thought that, you know, Frank Reich and Josh McCown were Stroud guys based on some of the comments and quotes they gave at the Combine and at his pro day. Um, I think there's still a realistic possibility that they flip-flop and take Stroud. I think there's a realistic prob- probability that they go off the, off the reservation and take Anthony Richardson based on the talent. But, um, you know, Young being the favorite makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, and I think if you haven't already gotten down on it, you should probably pass. I would not lay minus 400 on this until there is a, sh- you know, surely solid, uh, you know, you know, more, a more solid, um, path and information than there is currently uh that said um young going first for now we've and we've we've kind of assumed this based on info for about a week now a little bit more than a week i can't really i'm losing track of time um but uh you know the if he goes first and if houston is all of a sudden you know kind of they don't have a partner for the dance that they wanted uh you know in, in turn the quarterback market um that has huge ramifications and implications for the top 10 that the market was never pricing correctly. Even if you couldn't get a big bet down on certain wild stuff, um, there were some crazy prices for, uh, you know, Stroud to go forth for, um, you know, uh, Tyree Wilson to go second for Will Anderson to go second. And now you've seen Will Anderson move into basically co-favorite favorite status to go second. And I don't think that's crazy. I mean, uh, the Texans, um, you know, certainly don't feel like they're under a ton of pressure with a new coach hire that's, you know, basically got six years to put this team, you know, back together and, uh, you know, a general manager that's assumed control from, uh, you know, a few other people as of this season. So it's, you know, I would, I would still think that, uh, you know, Texans are alive to do anything at the two pick, but um, at this current moment, um, it seems like there's decent intel that Indianapolis has eyes for Will Levis that Houston has Will Levis as their QB2. Uh, And what that means to me is that if Houston likes the second-best quarterback in this draft is Will Levis, and they know someone in division will take him for if they do not, uh, I think that may ultimately incentivize them to settle for Will Levis too. And if if I could only have one crazy, insane price bet on the board right now, I'm taking Will Levis to go pick two. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think that look with a lot of this stuff, like you hear... You hear chatter, but the chatter has to match up to at least some degree of rational thought. And that's what made sure. last year's draft so interesting is that there was no rational thought of taking Trayvon Walker one, but eventually just came clear <laughs> that they're actually going to do it anyway. But sure. for the most part, like with stuff like Bancaro going one, it's not just that there was chatter, but that it never really made sense why the Magic would take Jabari Smith because everyone I talked to who follows the NBA really closely said that Jabari was at best the third best prospect in the draft behind Paolo and Chet. And it didn't make mm-hmm. sense that when they already had all these lengthy wings who couldn't really dribble, like why would they take Jabari Smith? <laughs> and then they didn't take Jabari Smith. And it seems like it worked out pretty well. And with this draft, what I keep coming back to is that 
I think the first four picks are going to be quarterbacks. And I just don't understand really why they wouldn't be when there are clearly four quarterbacks that teams like enough to be taking them in the top four. Levis was probably the one who could drop the most, but the fact that the Colts really seem to like Levis seems to certainly raise his floor. It's not a guarantee that he goes in the top four, but that's certainly looking more and more likely. And so if you're looking at it from that perspective, then I would just start trying to find ways to bet the quarterbacks being the first four picks. It just seems so wholly unlikely that Arizona are actually going to keep their pick at three and draft the defensive player when there is so much attention and desire for these quarterbacks. So I think that, look, Bryce Young going one has, I think, always made a lot of sense. He's been the consensus best quarterback, best prospect. Yep. Uh, and so that, to me, coheres. And obviously, you never know what's going on exactly with the Panthers, but that would make sense. And so if you accept that and then you're playing the domino game and the biggest chatter out there, to your point, is that the Texans don't want CJ Stroud. And so if the Texans don't want CJ Stroud, then it seems like they're going to take Levis or they're going to take Richardson. And so I would start to be betting off of that and then playing the domino game from there. Uh, I would be looking at a team trading up to three to be taking whoever the Texans don't pick. Uh, And then at four, you're looking at the Colts potentially... uh, potentially with CJ Stroud or potentially yeah. with one of the other two quarterbacks. So that would be yeah. my advice for betting the draft. Again, don't have a ton of intel there. I'm just going off what makes most rational sense uh, yeah. to me. Does that make sense? What price would you say that it's the first four picks of quarterbacks? Um, I would say it's better than 25%. Yeah, and um, I don't think the market is necessarily reflecting that when you look at something. No, no. The, the problem is... Um, some of the worst draft bets I've made in my life were assuming there was going to be a trade Um, because there's plenty of times that it just doesn't manifest. Um, We've heard pretty decent Intel that Tennessee and Arizona at least have a deal in principle, but I think it's conditional on a player being there. And I think that player might be Anthony Richardson. Um, And so I think the 20% that I see 20, 25% chance that I see that the top four QBs are young Levis Anthony Richardson to Tennessee three, CJ Stroud to Indianapolis four. And if we're saying that, you know, that's the most likely order of the first four, if it's four quarterbacks, it is still crazy the price on CJ Stroud four. And it's still crazy the price on Levis two, in my mind. Um, and, and again, like you can watch Will Levis's tape. You can watch, you know, you can look at his numbers from last year and be like, how in the world could anyone put him over CJ Stroud? Like the answer is not is very straightforward. Will Levis was running a more NFL ready pro style offense. He's more ready to start day one than CJ Stroud is, which sounds crazy considering he has, you know, some issues with turnovers and limitations as a quarterback generally, uh, which is why I think people assume the Texans might go defense too. Um, But again, like it's really, really tough for me to see a team like Houston pass on a guy like Will Levis, who they have as the second best quarterback in this draft. Know that if they do that, he will fall to a division rival, and then they'll have to play him two times a year for as long as he's a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, that type of, uh, you know, that type of, um, that's that's a tough calculated risk to take, even if you are a pretty secure GM, young, you know, relatively early into your tenure. Um, and so I think ultimately, uh, the longer we go from the Texans kind of rash realizing that, Oh, we're going to miss out on Bryce young. Like this is happening. 
the more likely they are to kind of finally settle on, okay, we're, we're good with Levis. We've, we've, we've vetted him fully enough. We feel this is our, the right choice. We're going to take Levis. So uh, I think ultimately that's where it goes. And I think that leaves uh, Will Anderson available for Seattle at five, which is amazing because that would be a huge day one impact player. And I think that's the only defender they really, really love. Um, And then, uh, you know, Lions at six, maybe take Tyree Wilson. Uh, I know they're doing a lot of due diligence on defensive linemen right now, um, but Wilson is pretty highly highly regarded. Um, they could take Carter; he, he's there for a visit right now. Um, so I think we are very, you know, that the most likely outcome of the draft is probably four quarterbacks and then uh, two or three D line. Yep, I think I, I don't really have an opinion about Will Levis and his talent. I just haven't watched Will Levis enough to have an opinion that matters there. But it seems like people like him enough for him to go in the top four <laughs> picks. And so I do think that even though projecting trades and everything is difficult at some point, and you can get burned by this, but you have to project a certain level of rationality that comes into organizations. And I think for Arizona to draft a defensive player three when teams want to trade up for a quarterback or for the Texans to draft a defensive player two when they need a quarterback, that just seems to me like it verges on malpractice. And (laughs) I'm thinking about this. I was talking about this with someone the other day about how uh, Shohei Otani, his MVP price, to me what no one is talking about is that if the Angels are out of it in July, it would be malpractice for them not to trade the greatest asset in the history of baseball and the most viable Swedes are in the National League. And so the fact that there's like a 15% chance that Shohei gets traded and the bulk of that is the NL and no one is baking that into his plus 125 AL MVP price at all. And Mike Trout is sitting there at 12 to 1 uh, and Aaron Judge is sitting there at 12 to 1. So I think you do have to project um, trade scenarios with these teams. And I think that that leads um, yeah, to what we've arrived at, that you know, Stroud going for Levis 2. Um, these, these are the bets to make. Yeah. Uh, at the moment. Anything yeah. else on your card for tonight, Drew? And also, by the way, last yeah. we will be talking uh, with Brad Spielberger of PFF tomorrow on the draft, and also the great Chris Sims, my man, on Friday as well. So lots of draft chatter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't wait. Uh, liquidity is starting to open up, by the way. There's yep. a couple of uh, faraway places that are going to let you do some correlated parlors, which is pretty wild. So uh, I got a little, got a little, got a little weird over the weekend when I was uh, crying into my beer over uh, some of my NBA, <laughs> my, my NBA fortune. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got uh, got into got into some of the uh, the NBA. I mean, some of the, some of the NFL draft prop pretty heavily so it'll be fun to cover a lot of that tomorrow after we uh kind of digest more of the news and info that comes out early this week but i do have a couple plays in the association tonight and i like them a lot actually um going back to the well with the brooklyn nets i think 10 points is is absurd um I think the Nets uh, in general showed you that they can, you know, absolutely go toe to toe over large stretches of this game with the, you know, with the Sixers. The fact that the Sixers uh, basically kind of tried to make it that statement game, I felt like, uh, and, you know, really pulled away late, uh, you know, obscured the fact that that was a very competitive game for huge stretches. Um, And so I would expect that uh, the Nets are live to uh, cover a 10 point spread here. Uh, And then in the uh, late game, even more than uh, any kind of uh, side, this is probably my favorite total so far of the playoffs proper Um, under 240 to me, looks like an absolute smash. Um, The intensity of this game from a defensive standpoint for the Warriors should go up a notch. 
Uh, they've now kind of gotten an ability to do a little bit more scouting. What is plan A, B, and C for the Kings offensively? Uh, Draymond Green's minutes go up from 30-something to 38, 39, 40 maybe uh, would be realistic expectation. Uh, the Kings having a little bit of tired legs, having to do a turnaround after such an emotional win on Saturday night and play again. Uh, you know, and just in general, being forced by, you know, by fatigue to slow down to a degree is going to help the uh, Warriors defensively. And the Warriors defensively integrating more Wiggins getting um, uh, uh, you know Gary Payton Jr. involved more late in game situations, less pool on the floor late in game. I think all of these adjustments are are rife to uh, turn this into like a two twenty ish type of a game. Now my fair is like in the two thirty two thirty three range, uh, so seven points in a playoff game seems insane. Um, but uh, I think alt unders are the uh, name of the game in Golden State Sacramento tonight. Yeah, I think certainly when the Warriors watch the tape, which they surely will have done, and they realize that <laughs> Sacramento's half-court offense was not efficient at all and that their success was entirely off of pace, you would think um, that they will do everything to slow the pace uh, on their defensive side of the ball. Uh, my two plays of late, little hockey, Drew. Whoa! Uh, yeah, playoffs, starting tonight. Had two big bets in the... Uh, uh, on the puck, uh, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs, a plus 1,300 to win it all. I think if you math out their series-by-series prices, uh, you're getting closer to 10 to 1, not 13 to 1. So small bet there. And then the New York Islanders to win the East at 25 to 1. They uh, they lucked out with a crazy Panthers-Canes game on the last game of the season to, uh, to get into the right side of the bracket. Now they play a Canes team that's missing some key pieces, uh, and they get either the Devils or the Rangers in the second round, so they get to avoid Boston, uh, who are only a coin flip to make the conference finals. And also the Islanders, I just think that the fact that they have Sorokin, who has been the best goalie over the past two years, gives them a lot of upside and variance. You got uh, my my man, Matt Basel, who plays hockey like Cesc Fabregas played soccer, like Scott Pendlebury <laughs> played Australian football. Just time slowed down for Matty Basel, Drew. Uh, he's coming back. Uh, and so I think the Islanders have a bit more firepower and uh, I like them to uh, to make a little run and uh, and the Maple Leafs as well in the East. Those are my two horses. So I'll be paying close attention uh, to the okay. East playoffs. Now, these are hockey teams? Yeah, they're hockey teams. Yeah, okay. the New York Islanders. I- Islanders, you said, and Maple? Maple Leafs. Yeah, Maple, Maple Leafs. Leafs. They must, they must yeah. be Canadian. Yeah, they're, uh, they're good. They're good at um, <laughs> playing the hockey. Uh, they're cursed. But, um, <laughs> they're cursed, yeah. They're, yeah, they're gotta, cursed, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing. Got to break the curse <laughs> on route to win this Stanley Cup. But curse is amazing. Working, Drew. So yeah, yeah. Is, I'm um, sure. I'm sure Canada wins the Stanley Cup all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. They I do. mean, they, 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 hockey comes from Canada, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe it's every single year. Uh, yeah, yeah. 50, 60 years since an American team has won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> all right, that's it. Well, I think that's the first time we've talked hockey in uh, 25 years. But I was quite a little, a little puck. <laughs> with the association all right thanks everyone for watching uh we will be back tomorrow thanks everyone who tuned in on the mbc sports youtube channel thanks to justin termini for joining us as well and if you listen to us in podcast form don't forget to rate and subscribe from jay croucher and drew dinsick we'll see you soon Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these. 
But did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.